to another episode of What's the Rumpus. I'm Adrian Hanna. I'm Roger Stepp. I'm Charles Thomas. So I, I have to say, the last two or three times that we've done this, I keep, right after we start, I can't help but think of Sports Night, where in the, begin, in the beginning of every episode, right before the commercial break, they do the teaser for the show. Yeah. That's the show within the show. And I keep thinking, the, and every time I want to go, those stories plus, and then I go, oh, wait, we don't have any stories at the beginning that we tease it with. So oh, we should, we should run a teaser. This, like, this serves as a reminder for us next week to tease before we start the show. Right. Jalopnik goes back to the future, and <laughs> those stories plus, is Pee Wee Herman coming back to Hollywood? <laughs> so anyway, our first story, Pee Wee Herman returns to Hollywood. Is this a real thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't realize For show. That. What? It's uh, this was on this was on Slash Film. Uh, so apparently, Paul Rubens, who created the Pee Wee Herman character, uh, has been trying to get two movies made for a while. Uh, that of course are never going to get made because who the fuck wants to see Paul Rubens in a movie again? I don't know who that um, is. Uh, but anyway, so no one will make no one will fund the movies. But he's doing uh, his. So the character Pee Wee Herman was actually super dirty and a stand-up routine when he started it, mm-hmm. and then it and then it turned into a kid's show only in the 80s. Uh, but anyway, he's trying to revamp it, so he's bringing back the live show, the live stand-up gig, the super dirty one, and then, who knows, maybe it will actually get turned into a movie, but I doubt it. But anyway, I, th- I thought that was interesting. And uh, Slash Film has a big write-up on it, including some YouTube videos. Why? Is that like... It doesn't seem like big news. I don't know. I watched Pee Wee's Playhouse when I was younger. Yeah, that's true. It's that it's was where... creepy as hell though. That like I knew it was creepy when I was watching it. I'm like, this is weird. Really? I thought it was awesome. Totally. It was... Plus, it's where Lawrence Fishburne got his start. Cowboy <laughs> really? Curtis. Cowboy Curtis. Yeah. That was his start. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of sad. Apparently, Phil Hartman was in the show at one point too. Oh really? And then he yeah. died. His wife killed him. True story. True story. <laughs> This whole thing. Um, do you guys remember the uh, the resurgence of uh, of Pee Wee's Playhouse that was on uh, MTV um, in front of a live audience? No. At, no. Like, it was on at like at like two o'clock in the morning. It was basically uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse all over again, but without the adult themes pulled out. It was it was Pee Wee's oh, really? Playhouse pulled back to its uh, actual origins, and. Uh, in front of yeah, a live so audience, an audience in front audience. of a live audience, uh, yeah. Rocky Horror Picture style. Did yeah, they throw exactly. toast at him? They threw stuff at him. I think I have never I, seen Rocky Horror Picture Show before. It's pretty terrible. It's, yeah, that's what I. My parents used to do the get the dressed up and go out and watch it and stuff. Thought that was yeah. pretty crazy. The best, the best thing that ever came out of Rocky Horror Picture Show was the the cult movie sing along battle that happened in an episode of the Drew Carey show where this, the late night cinema stopped showing Rocky Horror and started showing Priscilla Queen of the Desert which is another cross-dressing cult movie and they didn't tell anybody so the Rocky Horror picture people showed up to see their movie dressed in their drag and the Priscilla Queen of the Desert people showed up to see that movie dressed in their drag and they had a medley where they went back and forth between the songs from the two different movies I think I saw that it was it was a pretty epic episode. So is the uh, other one you're talking about? Is that a real thing or is that just in the show? No, they're both real movies. That's no, oh, a real okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't Priscilla, know. Queen of the Desert is the other one. I've I've, I've not never... seen that one, but oh, um, okay. Tim Tim Curry, he's yep. yeah, the guy. He was Doctor Frankenfurter. Yeah, and Meatloaf and Barry Boswick played. The, yeah, wow. Meatloaf played this like Frankenstein type dude. And uh, I very bo- do anything for love, but I won't do. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I always assume that it's anal. It's meatloaf. It's, it's- oh, <laughs> I thought you meant who sang it. Um, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So what I was trying to say was that uh, Barry Bostick- Bostwick was in it too, who later went on to become. Well, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he was the role I know him most for is the mayor on Spin City. Oh yeah. The, Which he was f- absolutely brilliant yeah. on that show. All right. So any so anyways, uh, on Slashdot the other day there was an article um, 
that was uh, it, it was basically talking about this uh, this essay that somebody wrote called "An Epiphany I Had While Playing Pac Man," oh, and yeah. uh, it's, it's I need to kill that. myself or get a life. No, it's it's uh, it's oh the guy different was epiphany. Sitting, yeah, the the guy was uh, was sitting down uh, playing Pac Pac Man after um, having worked all day. And uh, it dawned on him that uh, he started thinking back on different times in his life and uh, what video games he played to wind down from work and uh, came to the conclusion uh, and actually talked to some people, too, about this and came to the conclusion that um, people tend to, if they're intellectually challenged at work, tend to do uh, mind-numbing things when they get home from work, like play Pac-Man or uh, Katamari Damacy or however the hell you pronounce that stupid game, or Peggle. Peggle? Um, whereas if... Peggle. I don't know what that is. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, I do. Whereas, whereas if you play... If you play... If you're if you are not challenged at work and you have a pretty boring job, you end up going home and and playing games like chess or like Civilization or something along those lines. Um, and I, I thought <laughs> Civilization. That was... That's pretty interesting and explains why we are doing all that extracurricular stuff that isn't yeah. dirty but sounded like it the way I said it. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys play um, Pac-Man. Oh, wait, no, you guys no, play we... uh, Civilization. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, but I started my own podcast and uh, have written a bunch of programs since then. That's cool. Yep. I started a podcast, too, with two other guys. Fox. <laughs> Is it any good? Did you say I heard ox? it was pretty terrible. I, I missed the switch on my mic, so I tried to say I bet it sucks, but it didn't actually turn on until I got to the S. So it sounded like... Ox. <laughs> As a question. It's a thing. Spread, spread the word nationwide. Yeah. Ryder, it's to you. Oh. oh. I don't have anything. I'm watching the Mr. T World of Warcraft video. <laughs> God damn it, Ryder. Okay. Um, <laughs> this week on What's the Rumpus, Ryder finds out about the Mr. T WoW commercial. And just like the podcast, he just talk, or just like the IRC t- channel, he just talks about what he's watching. So then he says, "But I want Mohawk to be a class," and then everyone lolls. Wait, he wants. I didn't. I didn't see that part yet. You ruined it. I only made it thirteen seconds into the thirty-three second spot. Oh, I hate yes. you, Ryder. Okay. Um, uh, T-Mobile. I don't know if they already did or they're going to, but they're charging a dollar fifty to get a paper bill. And uh, the Engadget Mobile uh, article title is "T-Mobile to start charging a dollar fifty for the pleasure of slaughtering a tree in cold chlorophyll." I like that. Yeah. Not that they're charging extra, but that Engadget Mobile made a joke about it. Yeah. And it's funny because yeah, the, that's pretty pretty highbrow joke too. <laughs> Instead of in cold blood, yeah. Uh, I, this is just another way for T-Mobile to make money because yeah, or not the, or to save money either way. Well, right, but either way, it, it, it increases the profit margin. Yeah, which makes sense in like in the economic times that we're in now. Just yeah, it does. But doing it in the name of environmentalism is the whole problem I have with the movement. Is you know yeah. everybody's making a buck on. Stooges who are duped into doing all these things because they're green. That's that's and that's really what it is. Is um, companies are taking advantage of the fact that people want to save the environment, and in turn, they're increasing the company, the other the company's profit margins. Right. By, well, I mean, if the, if it wasn't going to increase the profit margins, they just wouldn't do it. Yeah, but they don't give a shit. Yeah. But unless, anytime unless something they like this, that they can get more subscribers because they're a green cell phone company. That would right. be the only reason they would do it. Right. <laughs> so people always think that people do it for um, what's the uh, altruistic? Is that the right word? It is the right word, and no one ever actually does that. Yeah. Nobody. But nobody. No companies ever do anything. For whenever I reasons. whenever I hear about stuff like this, all I can think about is the episode of Thirty Rock with Greenzo. And the most subtle, brilliant joke of all time in that show when Jack Donaghy calls him Redzo. Why does he call him Redzo? Because he's a dirty communist. Oh. <laughs> That's so true. He says it in passing, too. Like, I, the first two times I saw that episode, I didn't catch it. And then I finally heard it, and I went, oh my god, that's brilliant. Yeah. Nice. Which, who's Greenzo? 
I don't was, remember that. It was the guy that was on Friends. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I don't watch 30 Rock real intently. I just kind of yeah. cruise through it. So. <laughs> so, yeah. Companies really don't care about the environment. They care about profit margins. And if they can get more Absolutely. people to love them from being gay. And on that note... Um, <laughs> oh, there was there was a one of my I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it's Charter or AT and T, one of those two. Um, they said that they would plant a tree if I switched to um, paperless billing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which not is backwards. Happen. They should do it the other way. They should plant a tree if you're not going to switch. Yeah. It's like if you yeah. want to save a tree, we'll save multiple trees. But if you don't want to save a tree, we'll just burn more down. <laughs> that makes sense, right? No. Yeah. Uh, Dell did the same thing, too. For $20, when you're ordering a computer, you can have Dell plant a tree for you. I don't know if that's still the case, but I saw that. That's so like, dumb. What? Yeah, really? I think I think that is a case of whatever country they're ra- uh, raping the natural resources from probably mandated that they had to do it. <laughs> so they so were like, like "Well, we for every computer we build, for every computer we build, we have to plant a tree. But if we charge the uh, the people twenty bucks and it only costs us five bucks, and every third person clicks the box, then we just made twenty bucks." <laughs> yeah, totally. We're we're not cynical over at all over here on the rumpus. No. Uh, so if you're if you're interested in the bullshit politics and communism behind the green movement, I recommend a book called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Global Warming. Didn't you say it was kind of? Um, uh, it was it was super right wing, pro much left wing green propaganda flying around. That it's a decent balance. It's it's kind of hard to read, and a person that is already a left wing. A person that already leans left and probably will just quit, but it's it's an interesting read if you want to try and get both sides and you feel that you can do that. Okay. Uh, so this this story is by Joseph Flatley at Engadget. New flow router, not to be confused with flow, flow rider. rider. It may save the internet. <laughs> May save the internet from collapsing under the weight of all your V-blog posts. What's a V-blog? So th- video, video blog. blog. Oh, yeah. Basically, the story is about how Lawrence Roberts, who, in a... This this is super nerdy. It was published in IEEE Spectrum, which is a the magazine of, I, of IEEE, the, the organization that was founded by Thomas Edison that... Uh, what, how do I describe it? But so, if you've ever used FireWire, it's the it's it's also called IEEE thirteen ninety four because IEEE are the people that standard created the standard that FireWire uses. But anyway, the the whole thing is that basically what this guy this guy's argument is that all of the stuff that's happening on the internet he he was okay. So the the guy is Lawrence G Roberts who had a huge hand in inventing the current router. He's basically arguing that the router as it exists today is not capable, is not the best way to deal with the internet as it is now because it, it, the internet is much different. It, it operates in a, in a way that's entirely beyond the, what it was designed for, but it's still working. And so he's saying we're throwing, we're throwing bandwidth at a computing problem, I think is a direct quote. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Network network operators, he says, are throwing bandwidth at a problem that really requires a computing solution. So the the flow router, flow what it router. does, it, it's 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 really interesting, and I'm curious to see if how they're going to get it to work. But basically, when you communicate on the internet, everything is sent in packets, which is this these small containers of information that are then rebuilt to display what you want to see. They go through the tubes. And each each packet is routed as if is routed without a history. So no matter no matter what came before or what came after it, and the string of packets that need to be sent in order to display a web page, for example, each one of them can be routed in an entirely different way. And it's done. It's based on a calculation to find the quickest route. The flow router would inspect packets and detect the flow that it's 
taking, and it would it would only route the first so many packets, and then it would just automatically send the rest of the packets, which would with whatever route was fastest of the. So it it basically routes with sample data. I mean, it routes your data, but it's taking sample times, and then it sends it over the fastest route of. It sends all of the rest of the packets over that fastest route. So it's basically just it, in order to speed it up, it's it's reducing the computation time by not computing anything for a while. Right. Interesting. I don't see how that's more efficient, though. Still, because because instead of having a router, whole it, it, for every packet, it has to compute a uh, a, a route. Oh. So it, so so then it stores up all those packets and says, okay, calculating for this one, and you go. So you end up with a giant queue. And you end up with lost packets. You you end up with lost packets. So then the uh, source heads has to retransmit, causing more traffic, which then clogs up the tubes, so to the speak. Tubes. Yeah. Without actually clogging. I just feel like we're at a point where processing power is so cheap that that shouldn't be too much of an issue. It does waste some bandwidth, though. I guess. Well, it's still, I mean, because, well, see, the thing is that technology is not, you know, increasing in one way or another. It's, it's you know, as a whole, it's moving up. So you end up with faster and faster uh, throughput, um, which then causes the CPU to have to be faster and faster to keep up with the calculations. And yeah. so you're, you're not solving the problem at all by making faster CPUs. You're, kept, you're keeping up with the problem. By building faster CPUs, I, don't know, I just and feel so, like we have enough power that it's well, not a big deal. Yeah, but you're saying that as a person that pays for the highest speed internet you can get, and you work on a university, which is a backbone of the internet. <laughs> we have internet too. I have over a hundred megabit to my office. Yeah, so I don't. I don't think that that's a very. I mean, it's all well and good to say that cars are great when you drive a BMW. It's another thing to drive a Ford and say that cars are great in general. Like it, I know it's, what you it mean. just. I guess I, I, I don't think about it as much. Uh, the internet's slow periodically, like when I'm downloading and I'm like, oh my god, it's only going 100 kilobytes a second. This is not fast enough. When I, so I, I expect like for a, a normal consumer, For a normal consumer, this would be a big change. Yeah, that'd be cool. And for a person on dial-up, it would be insane. Yeah, I don't think it would make much of a difference. I think you're still bandwidth limited, though, no matter what. Well, right, you are, but if if... Fifty percent of your bandwidth is going to recalculating routes. Uh, um, I don't think it is. That's a, that's a that doesn't make sense. That's, ignore ignore high, that statement. High, high high traffic times are then less uh, um, noticeable. Is yeah. what it comes down to. It's 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 it, you know your high congestion times are 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 not as noticeable to the to right the end plus consumer. And on top of that, think about think about all the bandwidth that we have now. So if we reduce the, if we make the algorithm so that it's 50% more efficient, then we don't have to change anything, and we have the the entire internet overnight, I mean, not literally, but, you know, theoretically, is 50% more efficient now. Yeah. So we've, we've decreased load times without changing anything, except the actual physical hardware. But not, we don't have to, we don't have to change the infrastructure, well, the, the actual physical cable... I don't know. I'm I'm not making a very valid, a very sound um, argument right now, but real well realistically though, it it's you're it's not going to happen because you're not going to get everyone to switch over to this technology. And so then it's going to be it's it's one of those things that's almost almost worthless if um if everybody doesn't if, do it, if it's if, not if adopted, but, doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. But think um, about all the things that they that have pro- they've probably said that like fiber. Well, fiber's too expensive, and it'd be we'd have to redo the design. We'd have to rebuild the infrastructure. Nobody's going to switch to fiber. I don't know. But I it's, think it's be, it's happening. The reason it's just happening slowly the because it's such a big. Dis- ad- the reason fiber adopted so quickly is because it fit in with all the other standards. This would yeah, change it, TCP/IP and how like um, BGP. Which is how all the core routers work, and it would right. change how BGP works, which is a huge change as as opposed right. to. Right, I'm not saying you'd actually have to. I'm not saying it's a big change. I'm saying it's got to happen slowly, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. 
It's true. But the problem is, is that it, that it, you have to design a new standard for everything to work that works on like that. On <laughs> is the reason why IPv6 hasn't hasn't become as widespread as it has. Is be, because the only reason anybody ever started adopting IPv6 is because there are IPv6 to IPv4 wrappers, so yeah. that you can put an IPv6 machine. I saw on that dude in concert. He was terrible. Which dude? <laughs> The IPv6 v IPv4 wrapper. <laughs> I just got it. Uh, I was I was in nerd mode. I, I I saw the greatest quote. It said, "The great thing about standards standards is there's so many to choose from." I can't remember who said it, but <laughs> that's genius. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'll look it up so we can so I can say it on the air. Um. But uh, yeah, it's, there's there's been so many people that have come up with so many great ideas in the last ten years on how to improve the infrastructure of the internet, and every every single one of those ideas has has fallen flat on its face because it fundamentally needed to change something about the way the, that the internet works, and unless everyone adopted it, no one it wouldn't work, and so it just again it just fell flat on its face because of that so this I, I'm sure this is a, a great idea it sounds like a like a pretty pretty smart idea um, but I don't see it actually being adopted at least anytime in the near future right that that presents another interesting problem the the internet is so widespread that you can't change it without screwing everything up like uh, sometime last year, I think it was, that it, w- it was some country, I want to say it was like Turkey or somewhere, where they tried to block, they tried to, to um, I think it was, I can't remember what website it was, but s- some Middle Eastern government tried to route poison some website, I think it was YouTube, and in doing so, took down like the entire internet, <laughs> took, took down like three it was quarters Iran. of... Oh, was, it was it? Iran and it was YouTube. Okay. Nice. How did how what what happened exactly? In in Iran, they set their routers so that YouTube looked like a poisoned route, and it spread that information throughout all the oh, routers in the world. Nice. Yeah, so their routers so, were trusted. They must have had some trusted ones over there. Apparently. Huh. That's crazy. And funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it, funny. People don't realize how frail the internet is. It really is. Like one thing could completely bring down the internet, and there's nothing we could do about it. Which the entire reason that the internet existed in the first place was to avoid that. But we're stuck with things like DNS. Like if DNS goes down, you're screwed. You can't do anything. Just stuff like that. Unless you're some sort of crazy nerd that writes down the IP addresses of the websites you go to. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, if no one has their DNS working, it's not going to be that useful. And yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> the problem is that um, people people use DNS so much differently than they used to. It it's not mapped to just one IP address. Like if you look up the IP address for Google dot com, it's not the same every second of every day. So it would right. change. And sometimes it doesn't work at all unless you use the DNS name because it does a reverse lookup to see what web address you used. Makes sense. So then it tells you whether you need to go to www.google.com or www.3.google.com. <laughs> Does that work? Yeah. It's just a DNS name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just went somewhere. It went to google.com. Fancy. Yeah. The guy who said that was uh, the standards thing was Andrew S. Tannenbaum. And uh, the, ah, the of the a, Royal Tenenbaums? No, he's a no, C, he's a CS professor. Tenenbaum is like the uh, foremost expert on computer networking. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. He sounds. Um, did my Wes did my Wes Anderson joke just fly over both of your heads? What did you say? The Tenenbaum of the yeah. world? Yeah. No, I got it. Oh, okay. oh he's it in White Plains, New York. It just wasn't. Oh, he funny. was born in White Plains, New York. Interesting. That's where you guys work, isn't it? It's close oh, nearby. Was, yeah. Um, no, uh, Tenenbaum wrote wrote a, a book that gets used pretty universally as uh, a networking textbook. Computer networks. That yeah. one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. 
So Berkeley always comes up when you look at like crazy uh, internet and computer stuff. That's because that's where the internet was born. Yeah. The B and BSD is Berkeley. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I forget how nerdy our podcast is. Okay, this is actually pretty cool. Uh, So the podcast Scam School is a a street magician named Brian Brushwood. Oh, I've seen him. Yeah, okay, well, since one of his sponsors is GoDaddy... He decided to do this thing he's calling Domain Smacks, where you buy a 99-cent domain, and then you just reroute it to something else. So somebody put this magician is a turd or something like that dot com, and it went to brianbrushwood.com. <laughs> or it was, it was the worst show on the internet dot com, and it redirected to Brian Brushwood's live Ustream. And nice. then, so they do that stuff all the time. Like, one of them was like, Steve is gay, and it, re- it routed to somebody's Facebook page. Nice. Yeah. So that's a domain smack. I, so somebody I, domain smack dig dot com with the stupid it hurts dot com. Uh, uh, Sean Powers has dig sucks. I think it is dig sucks dot com. Nice. And it goes to dig. I think. Oh, maybe he doesn't. I can't remember what his domain is. I'll ask him. It's probably listed on his blog. Are you talking about at Sean Powers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got that one out of the way early this week. Does he listen? Does he listen to the podcast? Yeah, he does. He's really oh, okay. busy lately, but yeah, he does. Okay. Hi, hi Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's somehow we always end up talking about him, and it's kind of creepy. He's he's really nerdy, and I talk to him about nerdy stuff every week, and we talk about nerdy stuff every week. So well, that's I pretty, guess that makes sense. It's, it's just easy. It's it's weird. Sean Powers is like the the cool kid that for some reason hangs out with the nerds. <laughs> so you you have to talk about him because he's your only cool friend. <laughs> you, you, uh, yeah. Word. If you haven't gotten it by this point, um, out there in listener land, um, Sean Powers is uh, one of the editors for the Linux Journal. Associate editor. Um, uh, who also uh, used to be writer's boss back in the day, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is how he, how they know each other, and then Chuck and I both met him <laughs> for like three seconds. For yeah, for like three seconds. Nice. All right. So uh, next story um, on Gizmodo, they had a uh, had an article. Um, that uh, follows perfectly in the thread of our uh, our uh, Star Trek inventions, and uh, it's what uh, Star Trek inventions. When were we been, talking about Star Trek inventions? Like all the last four episodes. What's the this happen- podcast called? I think I'm listening to the wrong show. <laughs> I don't oh, remember. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. I remember now. Like the, I was the having haptic a hard time. remote and and other stuff. Uh, um, anyways, okay. uh, somebody has figured out um, has started making um, touchable uh, holograms. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. what the, what they did is they basically set up this little box um, that displays <laughs> holograms <laughs> and. Uh, um, and it uh, has motion tracking on it and um, has some kind of device that shoots ultrasonic waves off of it that are uh, controlled. So, like, the demo has, like, uh, droplets of rain falling from uh, the top of the box. And they, uh, when they hit, the, a person holds their hand out. Oh, my and, God, that's uh, it, awesome. It appears like the drop droplets of water um, hit their hand and splash off, but the person's hand also feels like there's droplets of rain How? falling on the hand. Too. How did they implement with, that? With uh, ultrasonic waves. Oh, really? So it's sound yeah. waves, kind of. Well, not really. Kind of, yeah. Wave waves. No, that's exactly what they are. They're just too high. Yeah. They're too yeah. high-pitched they're, to hear. Yeah. So they hit your and, hand. Uh, so it doesn't feel like water, but it probably feels like something. Yeah, there's definitely a feeling there, and of course, you know, the human brain can interpret touch with uh, tied with other senses. So you see water falling on your hand, and you automatically assume it feels like water. Yeah. So that is cool. They use Wiimotes Wemo- cool. for a simple tracking system. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, so the reason that this is is in the line of Star Trek technology is, you know, it's you know one step closer to the the holodeck. 
Oh nice. yeah. That actually, the the Wiimote thing ties into something that we were talking about last week, which is TED Talks. There's a pretty interesting one about a a bunch of concept projects that some guy came up with all involving the Wiimote. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. The Wiimote, it's, like, pretty cool technology, but it's, I don't know why everyone uses it for everything, is it? Because it's so readily available? Because it has a lot of inputs, it has a lot of different types of input devices in one thing that is relatively cheap and easy to get to. That's true. It just seems plus, like they're, Plus, they're nerds, so they already have one in their living room. That's <laughs> true. I mean, come on. You can either go out and build your own little uh, 3D remote control to, to uh, control your Roomba, or you can just use the Wiimote you have sitting next to the TV, That's not doing there. anything. Right, and it's Bluetooth, which means you can, pair the, you can probably pair it with more than one device, and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah is it Bluetooth? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Dude, I've seen you pair your, a Wiimote with your TV before. <laughs> with your computer, Nuh-uh. I've seen you pair. Yeah, you did it when we lived at 101. I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure? Yeah, I was there. It was my Wiimote. Uh, I will have to try that. I have two Wiimotes now. <laughs> that just sound. That just sounds dirty. That uh, Ryder was pairing Chuck's Wiimote with. Yeah, Anything. plus we were blowing each other at the time. <laughs> That's not gay at all. I just realized my fly's been down. I hope it's not been down all day. <laughs> <laughs> I always do that. But I but um I have these pants that the little the little clippy broke on the zipper, so they always fall down while I'm wearing them. So I'm like, oh my god, I forgot to zip my own pants again. And I do that probably ten times a day. <laughs> that makes me think of the from the pilot of Scrubs. Every day for the last 12 years, I thought I lost my watch because I looked at the wrong wrist. <laughs> yep. Ryder, I think it's your story next. Oh, man. I don't have anything. <laughs> I say that every week, don't I? Yeah. Um, so, GM has this blog thingy, the the lab.gmsomething.com. Okay. So they talk about how they want to make a bare necessity truck, which sounds like they uh, want to make bare necessities, <laughs> the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. Oh, the bare necessities, oh simple bare necessities. No, it's it's stuff that's necessary for bears. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, in the in the cartoon. What is that? Jungle Book. That's right. Yep. Okay. Um, no, it has nothing to do with the Jungle Book or bears. Well, then I'm not interested. Next story. It's B E A R, <laughs> not B A R E. Dogs. Um So like naked necessities? Yes, like naked necessities. <laughs> like boobies. Um So they they want to build a truck that is Gets better gas mileage than a standard truck. It sounds like they want a full-size truck, but it's hard to tell if they want a full-size truck or, like, a mid-size truck. Um, and they're talking about... The the thing that I was most interested in was the, the drivetrain. They don't talk about that, but they asked for uh, suggestions and the comments and stuff like that. So on their website, I left a comment, and uh, I told them, <laughs> that I did not want a hybrid drivetrain. I told them to save the batteries. And a turbo diesel drive drivetrain um where um because of how a turbo works, it it forces air into the engine and that's how it forces air and then it dumps fuel and then it combusts and that's how it works. That's how a turbo works. So with a turbo, you can force less air into the engine and make it less efficient, or more efficient. So if you're pushing less air, you put less fuel into the engine, it combusts, and it becomes more efficient. So what they could do is run two modes, because you don't always need, like, 650 foot-pounds of torque in your truck. It's unnecessary. Like, when you're cruising on the highway, you're not like, oh, man, I'm so happy I have 650 foot-pounds of torque. Because <laughs> cause getting 22 or 20 miles to the gallon on the highway is not nearly as... It's not worth it. So I don't think anyone has ever thought, man, I'm so glad I have 650 <laughs> foot-pounds of torque in I, any context. I would, think that, I would think that every time I drove the... Uh, it's I think it's the 6.6 liter... Um, Duramax has 650 foot-pounds of torque, and I would isn't, think that every isn't time isn't Duramax it. a battery company? 
Maybe. I don't know. That's what. Uh, oh, no, that's Duralast. Oh, Never yeah. mind. Okay. But that's what they call it. Withdrawn. Lawyer. Their engine. Um, so. It's it's really not that hard since everything's computer controlled now to just have one map. It's a fuel map that it tells how much fuel to give, and then it gives so much air pressure, and that's your normal fuel map for cruising around the city, driving on the highway. And they're saying forty miles to the gallon is their goal, or maybe better. And I think an inline six turbo diesel in a truck that they really work on the aerodynamics because that's. Um, the drag coefficient goes way, way up as speed increases exponentially. It's not a linear equation. It's very exponential. So if you're going 100 miles an hour, your drag is the biggest thing holding you back from going faster, not your power. And uh, so if they get the drag coefficient down and they run an inline six with like this uh, shitty map that, that makes maybe like you know like 200 foot pounds of torque and 100 horsepower would be a good good goal. <clears throat> and they're talking about making a hybrid drivetrain in the bare necessity truck. I thought that that was completely stupid because the batteries add weight, and then they're doing a hybrid drivetrain, which they don't have much experience at, and it's probably impossible to fix. I don't know. I don't know anything about the Prius's reliability long term, but I don't know. Do you guys know anything? Nobody does. Anything? It hasn't been around long. See, enough. so I don't. I don't think that putting a hybrid engine into a truck is a good idea. I think that they should get back to basics and make a truck that people can buy. Cuz I think seriously, who's going to who in their right mind uh, of the of the truck buying populace, <laughs> who's going to buy a truck with a hybrid engine in they it? Make Everybody's them. Gonna, they make construction them. workers in LA. Yeah. That's it. That's true cuz they true. get a tax break. Yeah. And they get well, free parking. That and because in LA that you won't get hired if you're not green. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's a complete waste of money. Inline 6 turbo diesel. That's my suggestion. And GM, if you make that, I might buy it when I start making more money. <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. I was listening to the nightly news podcast for NBC tonight on the way home on the train, and they were talking about the fact that GM is going to start basically their own ebay motors for their cars i saw that with ebay because, they're, they're joining with ebay to do it oh really yeah it's okay. got ebay branding on it so yeah basically uh, they've got so much stock that they can't get they can't sell and they they went bankrupt so they actually <laughs> they've they've gotten out of bankruptcy but they've got all these cars that they can't sell out of dealerships i it's I, i'll be interested to see where this goes because i think it's going to work but I think the UAW is going to freak out. Well, I guess not the UAW, but is, is there a union for dealership owners? I don't think so. I don't think because that I would. Unionized. I would think that they would shit a hammer if all of a sudden all of their business is going to the internet. And not um, only that, but it's not their website; it's the website of GM in general. GM.eBay.com. You can just go there and look at it. Our best cars, your best offer is their uh, Pontiac G8. That's the yeah. only thing. I have. I think that this is a, a case of a company actually getting something right for once, which is a miracle <laughs> coming out of a Detroit. <laughs> a miracle. It's a miracle. I'm sorry. I thought this is America. Is this a miracle? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's GM is doing something right, which is rare. But I'm curious, I'm curious to see if there's any backlash from the dealers. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't make a big... Do you think that the uh, the dealers are getting a cut? Because I'm imagining that you're getting these from some kind of dealership. Because that's where the stock oh, is. Oh, well, honestly, that makes sense, and I didn't think of that. Yeah. They're probably stoked because they don't have to actually sell them. They just go, hey, we got somebody yeah. coming in, picking up a car. Take your cut. <laughs> yeah. We can fire people and still make money. Woohoo! <laughs> There's no there's no Pontiac G8s anywhere near us. 500 miles. Us, meaning me. Sorry. Okay, okay so... There. What's your zip code, Holmes? 112... 112... Okay, either one. I'd search within 500 miles. Nothing! I don't think there's any vehicles on here. Let me see. Yet. Any. Well, and they just they probably GMC. just started it. There's nothing. Right, but anyway, There's no GMC vehicles. Yeah, they haven't put anything on there as far as I can tell. All right. So, going... Th so, you know... Oh, oh, okay. One last thing for... Um, 
the, the here's how the program works. One, two, three. Select a make and model. Submit an offer. Number three. Arrange financing and payment payment and delivery options with your local dealer. So they still get to do the financing. So that's where they make most of the money, anyways. Yeah, that's true. GMAC is the only way GM ever actually makes any money, anyway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's the only way. Okay. Um, so this story is not at all related, uh, but I can't think of a way to segue it. Although it is a, a brick and mortar thing moving online, sort of. But this is, and this was in the New York Times. Um, I can't remember how I saw it, but I think Brian Brushwood tweeted it at one point. Uh, he's twitter.com slash wood, S-H-W-O-O-D. But this was written by Susan Stellan of the New York Times. Uh, Bank will allow customers to deposit checks by iPhone. This is awesome. The USAA, which that's the only way they refer to the bank, so I've never heard of that bank. I don't know if it's a big bank or not. I don't even know what USAA stands for. But they have an iPhone app that lets you use the camera in your phone to take a picture of the check, and that's all it needs in order to deposit the check. Oh, really? Yeah, that is awesome. which is awesome. Oh, man, and, I would use that all the time if I had yeah. somebody. Oh. I, I know what USAA is. I didn't know they did banking, though. It's, uh, um, as, it's uh, the um, United Services Automobile Association. Oh. And they... The the last I knew, the, all they did was uh, was like insurance. Okay, for the well, military. the first line of the second paragraph is a USAA, a privately held bank and insurance company. Right, I just plans I to just, update its iPhone application this week to introduce the check deposit feature. Yeah, I just looked on their webpage and they actually they had the USAA bank. So, okay, go figure. Yeah, so this is crazy awesome and. I hope that they institute this at other banks soon. And I actually, I used a Bank of America ATM to deposit a check recently, and it, without you doing anything, it knows how much the amount was for and all that stuff just by scanning the check and re- recognize, hand, handwriting recognition and stuff. So it makes sense that this technology is available, but it's so awesome that it's... It, this is one of those things that makes me realize how glad I am to live in the times that we live in because yeah. things are just getting so much easier. I, I want to do it on my phone, too, guys. <laughs> too bad. You're not douchey enough. I know. I'm no sorry. check for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I saw this today, and I thought it was uh, um, relevant to our interests. <laughs> this um, is relevant to my interests. And uh, it what it is is uh, Facebook uh, acquired FriendFeed. Oh, yeah. Um, so FriendFeed being, being a uh, top social media aggregator um, has been uh, acquired by Facebook, one of the uh, giant uh, social media web pages. Um, and uh, it, it, it bears uh, um, conversation as to um, what exactly Facebook is going to take away from the uh, friend feed uh, situation and what they're going to leave behind. Uh, well, I think that they're going to take with them all of the bad stuff and leave behind anything that was useful. Uh, friend, <laughs> friend feed was not that great because it lacked a lot of options that seemed like no-brainers to me. And Facebook is just a pile of garbage in a nice wrap in nice wrapping paper, whereas MySpace is a pile of garbage in vomit wrapping paper. <laughs> vomit the, colored. <laughs> Both sites are completely unusable. I don't know how anybody manages to use them. I don't know how anybody manages to ever find anything. And it changes so often that it's beca- it, once you do once you do learn the crazy system for getting around it, it changes a week later. So maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna try and get FriendFeed's usability team, but that wasn't that good anyway. So I think I think this move is because Facebook has enough money to buy people that whoever and probably they were they well, friend feed so friend feeds live money. stuff was the biggest was really the biggest piece of what it was used for and it started out as you tie in your facebook account your myspace account your twitter account all into one place and you get all the updates in one place but then they started doing their own update system i think this is probably another way for twitter or for facebook to try and compete with twitter which is going to fail Agreed. 
Um, so something that I noticed from the article that uh, um, I thought was uh, was interesting was um, it's it was uh, founded by by uh, four ex Googlers, one of which was um, was uh, Paul um, Buckheit, I guess is how you say his name. I don't know, um, but he's the the one who origin originated the uh, "Don't be evil" motto at Google. That's so, interesting. Be a nice I, person. I that was funny. They have a motto? I didn't know that was a real thing. Ryder, you're <laughs> up. <laughs> I finished the rest of the commercial. I'm Mr. T, and I'm a night elf Mohawk. <laughs> and now we have our post uh, theme song <laughs> clip. All right, so this is a really quick one, but I thought it was really funny. Uh, this is from Gizmodo. It got posted today by Jesus or Jesus Diaz. <laughs> Let's hope Best Buy doesn't implement this idea. It's a receipt from an electronics store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, called Mikey's Hookup. And highlighted... So it's it's displaying the return policy, which is returns must be within 14 days from original place of purchase, which is reasonable. And then it goes on to say, with original receipt and an oatmeal raisin cookie. No frosting. <laughs> I want to own a business so I can do that. That is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it, man. It, it's pretty great. I would love that if you brought something. Um, did you read this? I'm sorry, but we can't take this back. And then yeah. people would just be so pissed and you'd be like, read it, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> Funny stuff. Oh, did you guys hear about the uh, the GM's claims, the, the 230 miles per gallon for the Volt? Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, first, um, did you see what their what the sticker price is probably going to be? Was that in the last no. episode? I can't remember. Did we talk about that? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. Um, so GM, okay, because the 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 way the Volt works, it's an electric um, engine powering the vehicle, and the gas engine is just there to create e- electricity to charge the batteries. Which means all of the accessories that the uh, that the car normally has that run on the engine can't run because it's electric powered. So they had to come up with new like steering and um, what what else is driven by the motor? Other stuff. The steering pump, the water pump. Um, I guess for the engine, it'd have to have some kind of cooling. And uh, so they they had to come up with they had to fab all new stuff, and they totally misjudged how much it was going to cost. So the development cost was a billion dollars, which is three times as much as their normal vehicle development cost. And then they're making all this fancy stuff, and it turns out it's going to be super expensive. So the sticker price on the Volt is going to be over $40,000. And for that kind of money, you're probably not going to want to buy a uh, four-door Chevy piece of crap, (laughs) basically. So they yeah, pretty they much they screwed the pooch on this because nobody's gonna buy it except for like four movie stars, so they can be like, "I saved the environment." Yeah, but um, at that point, why not buy a Tesla? Yeah, that's true, because and then it'd be at, way at least, more badass. Yeah, at least then you have you know the mystique of having a Tesla instead of having oh Is look a Chevy I bought the Volt. Chevy Volt, <laughs> and it's probably front wheel drive. I'm not sure about that, but I'm guessing. <laughs> so it's Which just a piece fail. of crap front wheel drive car. And uh, I'm sure it's super heavy and underpowered. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're claiming 230 miles per gallon. And I read an article, I think it was in Time, and they were uh, breaking that down. Um, because of the way the EPA does the fuel economy, they can say that, maybe. Oh, maybe not. The EPA kind of shut them down. So it gets 230 miles a gallon when it's running on electricity. And I think that's... They're doing the whole, you charge with this much electricity, the cost of the electricity versus the fuel, for saying 230 miles a gallon. Um, So if you drive 100 miles, then you start running the gas engine, and your efficiency goes way down. So 100 miles, you're getting like 100 miles a gallon, or 100 miles a gallon, which is still pretty good. And then 200 miles, you're getting like 70, and then at 300 miles, you're getting like 62 miles a gallon. So... The further you drive, the the worse the gas mileage is. But of course, Chevy's just saying two hundred thirty miles per gallon, woohoo! <laughs> Which is is not the full truth. All right, so I have one more quick thing that I want to just blast out. Which what sounded are you blasting? 
um, the Boing Boing has this really cool diagram of it's a data analysis of a choose your own adventure book. Oh, I saw and that. And it, it lists the start of the book and then flows through the pages to see where you end up. It's pretty in-depth and really interesting. And I, for some reason I was thinking about this recently, and uh, it was kind of cool to see it visualized. But it's not really worth talking about beyond that. <laughs> the picture is pretty. True story. <laughs> da, da, da. Ta-da! Adrian, do you have a story? Um... Yes, I do. Um, let's see. Uh, in, <laughs> in in true in true Adrian fashion. Okay. Um, is this the uh, best thing ever? No, it's not the best thing ever. But a according study to has a been study, done, according to a study, um, <laughs> that's even there, there's a, a strong link has been found between uh, schizophrenia and smoking. Um, and it's been found that uh, nicotine actually improves brain function in schizophrenia. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That's, yeah, it's I don't crazy. know why, but how does that make that. sense? <laughs> because nicotine makes you smarter. What? Yeah, true story. <laughs> I, I did I, according to a study that I read one time. Uh, in Steve's Nicotine Monthly, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? Ice beer number. So anyways, all the people I thought... that I know that smoke are dumb. Really? Present company included. <laughs> Your mom smokes. Not anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, they nice. both both my quer- par- both my parents pit. When, <laughs> <laughs> both my parents quit smoking when I they found out they uh, were having a kid. Me. Nice. So so on the Volkswagen website, find a special offer. Enter your zip code and unlock great deals. I enter my zip code and it says, "Please enter a valid zip code." <laughs> But, like, I put in my parents' zip code, and that totally works. (laughs) So, apparently, I do not live in a valid zip code. Sucker. Yeah, that sucks. Okay, so, this is is pretty cool, except it's never... It's completely impractical. Uh, The the headline's pretty funny, though. This is, again, from Jesus and or Jesus Diaz on Gizmodo. Watergate makes Nixon wet his pants. And it's about... It's basically a replacement for subway turnstiles, except it's a device that shoots water. <laughs> and it so shoots you get it in, marked, basically? Well, it shoots water in five different streams, and it's, it's a psychological barrier instead of a physical barrier, meaning that people won't want to get wet in order to get on the subway. Oh, yeah. Which means, uh, well, so for one thing, it means it, it's going to be... does it turn the water off? Yeah, when you swipe it, the water stops flowing, you walk through, and then it starts again. Okay. So, the the whole thing is... <laughs> Watergate. <laughs> I, just, I just realized <laughs> what you were talking about. Yeah, nice. so the the best part about this, though, is he, he d- has this whole paragraph describing what it, sa- what it does, and then the next paragraph is, quote, Or in other words, if they install this on the NYC subway, I would not spend a single cent on my Metro card. <laughs> nice. It's, it's a really cool idea... The other thing is that um, the the other pro in, in this whole thing is that if there was some sort of emergency that happened in the subway, it would be way easy to get out because people oh. wouldn't have to fight through the thing. They could just run through the gate as if there was nothing there because That's their pants true. are probably wet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And in case of emergency, they'd probably shut the water off anyways. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so So... Oh, it, it also says that it would be easier for people with wheelchairs and luggage co- to pass through because since it's a since it's a psychological barrier and not a physical one, and because of the way it's designed, you can have wider gates. Uh huh. I just thought it was really interesting. Except the pictures are really weird. There's a guy squatting in front of it with his hands yeah. in the gate. I don't. It's weird. That is weird. So does it recycle the water or what? I don't know. That's a good question. I would ima- I would imagine it does. It seems like it'd just be like a waste to run water all day. Not that I care yeah. about running water all day. Right. Unless it's my water and I'm paying for it. Also, it's by Yanko Design, which makes me giggle. <laughs> Yanko. Oh, they're showing a Did bunch of people getting off boat? the train. <laughs> Wait, don't, don't... Nice. Don't people, um... Don't people go backwards through the same turnstiles that people go forward through? 
Yes. Huh. So pressure pad, that? probably. Okay. There'd probably be like a motion sensor or something. Yeah. Either that, or they would have different. Um. Well, actually, no. I don't know how that would work. All right, so uh, I also saw another uh, story today um, on Slashdot, and this one sucks. It's uh, um, OpenOffice has uh, pro- previewed uh, their uh, the new UI for OpenOffice, and did they uh, add the it, ribbon? Yes, they added the <laughs> Office 2007 ribbon. Are you fail? Yes, I'm serious, and and there's a lot of people that are unhappy about that. Not only are people going to be unhappy, I think Microsoft might be unhappy. <laughs> so uh, I, the the thing that I found the funniest about this was not anything that having to do with the story, but that one of the tags on Slashdot is "Do not want." <laughs> nice. Slashdot open office. All right. This is not related to technology at all, but it pissed me off. New York police use trick to arrest people for pot possession. Uh, so there's a law that says uh, a, a small amount of pot is considered a $100 civil citation for the first offense. But there were 40,300 people arrested and jailed in New York City last year for possessing, possessing small amounts of pot. And it's because the cops tell you that if you show if you admit that you have pot on you and you show it to them that they'll go easy on you but once you have it out it's considered open to public view which means that you can be handcuffed fin- fingerprinted and jailed and tried with a misdemeanor damn yeah and it actually it goes along with the conversation Adrian and I were having today about DUIs and oh and I Ryder talk, was there I too was, yeah I brought it up yeah and how if you're even if you're sleeping in your car with the engine off if you're in the driver's seat you can technically get a DUI. Okay, but think about this. In up here where I live in the winter if you sleep in your car and it's not turned on, you'll die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also up there no one gets arrested for drunk driving. Yeah, that's true. Do you, you I mean, I can imagine the cops would be like um I'm happy that you're not driving and I'm not going to be an asshole. Because you would die Unless if your you're a car college wasn't student. turned on. Yeah, they're pretty cool about it, either way. I've actually... Uh, uh, that, that last story was also on Boing Boing. I can't remember if I mentioned it, by Mark Froenfelder. 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 Froenfelder? Yes. So, so this is interesting. I just saw this. Um, uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly... Uh, apparently went out of business or stopped making magazines, so they just uh, sent everybody Maxim instead, and uh, <laughs> they were like, uh, if you already subscribed to Maxim, then we'll add it onto your Maxim subscription, and if you want a uh, prorated refund, refund, send your... <laughs> refund? Uh, refund. Is that like time travel? <laughs> send, your, send your mailing address or name, and then they give an address. Um... But apparently, uh, some lady is not happy that her twelve-year-old is getting Maxim. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually I, the, the Fark headline for this stop. was "Dumbest Kid in the World Tells His Mom He Got Maximums in Maxim Instead of EGM." <laughs> nice, totally. That's funny. We have a couple more things to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah. So, this week in dumbass Apple news, Apple's new low censoring a dictionary. This was on Engadget by Josh Topolsky. What's that? I thought we did this last week. No, this is no. this oh, is new. Yeah, this is I new dumbass Apple news. See, I get confused if we talk about it in IRC. I'm not sure when it happened. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Apple, uh, according to this story, uh, which related back to John Gruber on Daring Fireball, pointed out that or show said that an, an app called. I think Ninja Words was rejected uh, for containing words like ass. What? And it was rejected three times. With for after th- in three months, it was rejected three times and got a 17 plus rating. Uh, there was later a follow up by Nilay Patel, and those two guys both do are are both on the again. They had some interesting things to say on the podcast, uh, but. Basically, what happened is Apple said, not just the words ass, you have some other words in there that aren't quite, you wouldn't expect to see in a normal dictionary. 
and it was before iPhone OS 3.0 was out, which means there were no parental controls. And so they said, if you wait, we'll approve it once 3.0 is out and there's parental controls. And so the company of their own volition, supposedly, tried to take tried to take words out in order to get it through the approval process quicker so that they could get it out sooner and collect money sooner. Okay. But, uh, so the, the sensational headline is Apple censored a dictionary and in truth, that's not entirely oh. true, but it's still asinine. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I can get rejected. I can get rejected nine times. <laughs> awesome. So that's that's dumbass Apple news this week. Yeah, totally. And uh, finally, the FARC headline of the week, and I still don't have the voting system up because I haven't had time to work on it. Uh, so I'm just going to say that is going to be up at an indeterminate time, but we'll have it up sooner or later. But I keep saying the next episode, which is not... I'm not going to promise it anymore because I don't know when I'm going to have time to work on it. But this week's headline is... We put you through a flimflam trial. Now you're obliged to stay a while. Burma slave. <laughs> That's awesome. And this is a story about a person, uh, a political leader in Burma who... A, a court in Rangoon has convicted Burmese pro-democracy leader Aung San Suu Kyi and sentenced her to an additional 18 months of house arrest. Uh, and if you don't know what Burma Shave is, then you should look it up because it's awesome. And it I is a brilliant... To the Tom Waits song. Yeah, totally. And it's a brilliant uh, headline. Yeah, that is a really good headline. This week's question of the week is, uh, what do you do to wind down after work? And this is relating back to my first article about uh, um, what kinds of things people do... Um, after they wind down from work uh, and being related to what kind of job they have and how uh, challenging their job is. Um, so if you want to answer this question, um, you can email it to comments at what's the rumpus podcast.com. Why don't we put it up a topic in the forums? Okay. And uh, reply to the, to the uh, topic with uh, this week's show notes. So Ryder, what do you do to wind down after work? I, um, I play video games. Uh, I just consume copious amounts of alcohol, and I drink a little bit. I started playing WoW recently. Um, my boss started playing, so he was like, "You need to play," and so I'm playing WoW. Um, I drink booze, and uh, I will start working on my car soon. I'm pretty excited about that. Now that I bought another car, I have two almost identical cars, and I'm going to combine them and make them better, faster, stronger. You're gonna make you're gonna make working. a BMW Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what. It, oh yeah, okay. Um, so uh, Chuck, what do you do to wind down after work? I watch a pretty good amount of TV. Pretty efficient at it. I think. I, for for people that know me, there's not really a more efficient way to watch TV unless I watch it at double speed. Uh, but yeah, I actually thought about it, that. and I've I've been listening to podcast, uh, I've li- listening to audio podcasts in double speed, which is pretty cool. Yeah, are you I mean, actually doing that? It's the I listened to ours at one point two, and I forgot that I was yeah. I do the same thing 1. with two X actually. Yeah, the really? iPhone the. Wow. It must make ours sound really interesting. Yeah, it does. Like, it wow, does. those it, guys know what they're talking about. Like, we're, we're on sports night, bitches. So stick around. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I watch TV, which is a pretty lame answer, but it's the truth. I read, uh, and if you actually, I'm on Goodreads. If you want to tr- find me, it's also my lame. username is crthomas42 to see what I'm reading. Uh, I program, and that's pretty much it. I'm a very boring person. You drink too? Uh, not really, not anymore. Although I did okay. have a beer tonight. Adrian, Adrian drinks with Saigon because he's the shit. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So in, in answer to, the, to my own question, I uh, the way I wind down is just watching the hell out of some TV. angry masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> angry masturbation while watching TV and drinking booze. 
No, I drink. I, I talk about multitasking. Yep. I I I do. I do also drink some booze, but uh, that's uh, an occasional thing. Adrian, where can we find your work on the internet? You can find my work at adrianhanna.net. I am also on Twitter. I am CodeMonkey2841. Ryder? I'm on the internet, riderstep.com. I am rmstep on Twitter. I'm on IRC, and I will probably post in the forums this week. Maybe. True story. <laughs> I'm, I'm crthomas.org and twitter.com slash crthomas42. And that, gentlemen, is the rumpus. This episode is brought to you by I'm Mr. T and I'm a night elf boa. Our theme music is the song Better Nation by Curious Hands and can be found at www.podsafeaudio.com You can find us on our webpage at www.whatstherumpuspodcast.com Hello! Hello!